the football pod on OTB Sports. Have you ever seen a team like Limerick that are so physically dominant? They're yeah, absolutely oh. financially dominant. <laughs> the football pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. You should be the host here. I'm really loving it, Jeff. We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quillen and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Hello and welcome along. I'm Alan Quinlan and you're listening to the Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel. And with me as always is Neve Briggs. Um, tough weekend for you, Neve. Uh, how are you after yesterday? You were beaten 60, dare I say it, I'm sorry I have to say it, 69 nil. I was asked about this just before I bring you in this morning and off the ball. And, uh, and on fr- Friday morning and this morning, and look, with all due respect, um, England are an absolute powerhouse. And it's not, I mean, disrespectfully to you and the team, um, it was always going to be a very, very difficult game. Um, how are you all feeling afterwards? What did you feel after the game? What were the players like? Yeah, look, I think they were definitely incredibly emotional um, about the, the final score. I think the efforts didn't really reflect the, the scoreline. I thought at half time. You know, going in 10-0 down, having defended incredibly well, um, really sticking to the process. And then just the second 40, just getting blown away by their sheer power. Um, was just, it, was, it, was, it was very disappointing, I think. Um, but Greg spoke really well after the match. He spoke about separating the emotion from the process. And, um, and look, it, it's indicative of, of where we are at the moment. Um, a very new group trying to... Um, you know, find our feet at this level um, from both the management and the playing side things. And um, But when you, you know, take that first 40 minutes, that's definitely something that you can hold on to with a positive spin and, and try and bring forward again and think, okay, if we can go to that intensity for 40 minutes, then let's try and aim for 60 the next day. And then hopefully by the time we meet England again next year, Six Nations, we're going to be in a much better place. And, is, is, it down um, to, so, yeah. is, that, is, is that some of that down to conditioning, Neve, and the fact that they're full-time professionals and obviously your team and the, the girls came out with incredible passion and work ethic and desire to, to really get stuck into England and made it difficult from at times in that first half and defended heroically. But it would suggest that, you know, the conditioning took over, the strength, the power, and obviously their skill as well. Um, I, I, I read a piece from Lindsay Peake this morning on the paper and the Indo um, suggesting that, you know, closing the gap and the short-term solution would be to make the girls go, for, you know, offer contracts and try and close that gap. Is that something? And then to be fair to you and Greg and your management team, you haven't made any excuses. And I like that. I like his honesty. Um, he's being realistic where the team are at. But do you think, contracting the, the girls now or pretty soon would, would, would help close that gap? Yeah, look, I think it's, you know, it's fairly obvious. I think it's the way it has to go now. And I'm pretty sure it's, it's definitely in the pipeline. Greg spoke about it afterwards yesterday um, to the media that it's something that the RFU are working on uh, right now behind the scenes. And, um, uh, and hopefully it'll happen sooner rather than later because um, the big thing for that is that it can't be the same model as England because the game, the club game here isn't strong enough to hold that. So you've got to try and find a, a way that if you centralise, you know, or contract 20 players and what's the best way to have them? Is it to have them all in Dublin or is it to have them in the provinces 
Um, so there's a lot of work to go behind the scenes, but you know it's coming. It it's, it has to come, and um, so that's definitely one thing that can probably speed up the process of of that. I think there's a lot of work going on underneath that in terms of the pathways and and trying to the player base. For me, like <clears throat> you just you looked at the English bench yesterday and you saw what was coming off it, and it was scary. Sarah Hunter is their captain at number eight. She had 133 caps. That was more than our pack and subs together. And, and that's what you're dealing with. They're just in a different evolution in terms of their their strength and their depth. And that's something that we've got to continue to chase. Um, and if, you know, those full-time contracts come true over the next few months, then, you know, it'll help. But um, it's, 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 it's a different thing coaching, you know, when you're find like you don't have a huge amount of control about what's happening and you're underneath the post quite a lot. But for me, it was a, it was, it was a, kind of a bittersweet experience to look at the resilience within that group. Every time you got underneath the post, they were able to say, okay, that way this happened because of, you know, a, a defensive error or we didn't look after the ball properly and, you know, good teams will punish mistakes. And and I likened it almost afterwards to, to watching Leinster play. They were ruthless in their in their nature, um, England were, and, and the, probably why they're the best team in the world. But, um, yeah, look... Incredibly difficult to, to come away after that kind of a loss, but also a very, a, you know, good awareness of where we are, and um, and and we can be proud probably of that first forty. And unfortunately for Sene and uh, mm. getting that red card, and I watched it back, and I think it's it's a really difficult one for for her. Um, I don't think there's any intent to go that head high, but you've probably got to lower your body position. Um, in in the contact, also Dorothy Wall yellow card. But look, you mentioned it. I was incredibly impressed, and anybody watching that yesterday with the accuracy, some of the tries that they scored in, and, and the passing and the the little loop passes. Yeah, the accuracy was was incredible. So look, finally, just to finish, can you pick yourselves up for Scotland? It's back the more evenly even playing field now against the Scots. You probably owe them one. Um, after after the World Cup qualifier, um, they've lost four games. Is that how important is it for you to finish on a high now against Scotland? Yeah, huge. I mean, we won't be hiding from that at all. I think it's really important that we go and perform. Um, and I think that you know, it's bringing it home. It's bringing it to Belfast, where we haven't played a Six Nations game, um, not since not certainly in my time and since. So um, it's really exciting. I think so. Uh, we go back into camp early Wednesday morning, and um, it's it's all about just. Literally, you know, it's one last week. We've just got to go and, and put everything into it and, and hopefully, you know, we'll come out the right side of it. But I know it's going to sound so cliche, but they're actually a brilliant group to work with. And part of me just felt kind of yesterday wasn't indicative of the work that we had been doing, off, you know, behind the scenes. But that's just sport and it's ruthless nature. So, um, yeah, look, go back in Wednesday and hopefully we can fix some of our own mistakes um, and as you say you know you're against uh, Scotland who would be in around the same kind of calibre as us they're also preparing for a World Cup in, in October so um, it's it's just it's it's about trying to balance where we are and what we're trying to do knowing that you know come 12 months time we'll be better again Yeah and look there's no point in getting into the sevens players away and the injuries it's it's a debate that's kind of ongoing um, you have to just get on with it now and hopefully finish in a high um, just getting to Munster matters. Um, obviously, uh, they had a brilliant win at the weekend, uh, 24-17 away in Belfast. We spoke at length about it last week, the importance of it. 
Um, as always, we want the listeners to be involved and to send their thoughts. And, you know, because it is for the fans, really, this podcast as well. We want them to give us their opinions. Yeah. Um, so you can get, you can tweet us at Rugby Channel or either of our personal Twitter accounts if you have any comments before, after the podcast every week. So you have a list of tweets there. I put a tweet out um, earlier today and the response again has been incredibly positive back-to-back performances from Munster for the, probably the first time this season where they've kind of got two really, really positive performances, not just wins, but performances. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think you're right. I think everybody's incredibly positive about what they're trying to do. On the Cahill tweet, it was so refreshing to see the team maintain that energy they had coming off the Exeter win. Pure joy seeing Delande so fired up in front of a crowd and witness his brilliant rugby brain. He's... He's hit some unbelievable form over the last few weeks, hasn't he, uh, Damien Delande? Uh, Ian Moore, great win against a team we are in de- direct competition with for ranking. Form is coming good and primarily based on really strong defence. Delande loved loving playing in front of a crowd and Joey approaching his best. Can Dylan define the season? Lots to be positive about. Um, I know you're going to speak about the back row um, uh, later on, Quinny, but gosh, they were, they were so good this weekend. Um Paul Robertson, a great performance, hopefully, but the but unfortunately, Leinster still see still the team to beat. Um, that was well, we know that we know yeah. that, don't yeah, we? we? Like do. that's no secret. And you know, sometimes monster people get a bit irate, and we got to deal in reality. That's where Leinster are, and the gap that's been there for a number of years now. It's it's the goal is and the challenge is to try and close that. But you know, let's not get away from the reality. And Munster fans want to see improvement and want to see us challenging um, the top and that kind of barometer that they've set. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Mikey Moriarty, great to see the intensity retained from the extra game. Many players really growing into the jersey. Carberry in his best form for Munster, the likes of Condellan and Hodnick continue to develop. The ceiling of the squad is going upwards. Um, Niall Ben makes a really good point, actually. Not surprising that when they can get a consistent run without injuries, or less at least, than COVID interruptions, they play more coherently. If we can get a few guys back over the next few weeks, we might cause some teams headaches. And that's what we've been speaking about all through the season, hasn't it? Is that their ability to put out their strongest team week in, week out, just hasn't been there really until the last few weeks. Yeah, And, and, we, we, and we haven't even seen that because correct. we're still missing Killer and, listen, and Conway type burn. And absolutely, we've, we've, we've got to be honest in our, our, our assessment and criticisms as well. But we've always tried to, to be fair and and use the mitigation that is that has been there. You know the disruptions, different teams, all that kind of stuff. Um, some issues that kept on keep on arising around the attack, and 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 you know there are things that that have improved and got better. But for any team, Nate, you you know it yourself. If you can play and keep a little bit of continuity in selection, I know you got to tweak teams two or three, four changes every every time. But if you can keep the core group of your team together, you're only going to get better. And particularly if you're getting results and things are starting to happen and starting to click in the field, which we've seen in the last few weeks, um, this team are starting to show us more potential. Their potential, we're not saying that that potential is going to be URC winners or European Cup winners, but it's better, it's easier. It's improvements. It's improvement. And if you look right across after the weekend on social media, um, and there's no point in hiding from this either. Ulster were vulnerable. Massive hangover for them from the week before. They were battered, uh, psychologically probably a little bit flat, uh, damaged. The crowd were a little bit quiet. Munster started the game well and 
they were able to contain Ulster, I think. Um, so the reality is you get that in, in, in continuity. They've got better. Um, you look back in the videos and you improve. So there was lots of positives there. Um, you have a few more to read, do you? I do, yeah. Just one or two more. So Adrian Donahue, uh, Daly had a fantastic performance. I've been singing his praises all season. Disappointed that Hearn got pulled, guessing it was to do with the pack weight as Munster were a bit light. Fantastic steal in line out, five metres from his own line. Casey and Kendellan were superb, future as bright. And Ronan Moriarty jumped in to say he was feeling unwell the night before the game, which is Thomas Ahern. And James Broderick um, said, thought, well, it was strange that he was on the bench, to be honest. Um, but we've both been there where, you know, you, you might have been well the night before a game, but you get a half an hour into you. Um, I think that Munster were probably clever to have pulled him um rather than starting him and then maybe having to... Yeah, and J- Jason Jenkins, to be fair, um, we criticised him a few weeks ago against Leinster and maybe it was a little bit unfair because I know he's a better player than that and he showed um, some of his power the other night and was very, very important. I think having Thomas Hearn to come off the bench was... You know, if you can keep a player and you say, right, he had some sort of illness or feeling unwell um, and you can get 20, 30 minutes out of him, well you take a chance and put him on the bench. So, Absolutely. And I yeah. think you saw the impact when he came on and he stole that line out from that Rob Herring throw five metres out. And that really deflated deflated um, a, Ulster. It was a big momentum shifter, really, because they were starting to put pressure on. So um, I thought it was really good. Um, we had loads of tweets, but this is probably the last one for now. Um I don't know whether I find this stranger or funny, but your mom's friend, Nora Hoare, uh, tweeted um, form coming good uh, with a lovely love heart emoji. Uh, Quinny, your mom's friend are tweeting. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's, um, well, Nora's <laughs> always been on Twitter, but anyway, she's a, she's a massive monster fan. And I remember going to all my matches back in the day as well. There is one last one that I'll read from Dave Parks. Brilliant win. The back row were incredible. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And Jenkins showed how powerful he can be in the second row. Um, so, look, there's there's lots of positivity there. It's easier for us to talk about this, isn't it, and analyse them. Um, I think there was a lot of positives there. But and, and What do you make of... I, I'm just sorry now for interrupting you, but Simon, so his dead ball area, was talking about fart, right? Um, so he thought it was a really good game for Munster. You can feel confidence, confidence coming. Nice to see Casey start, but I think Murray should start against Cardiff as he will be needed to start against Toulouse, going to need his experience in defence against Dupont. Depth of breakdown is coming along. Shane Daly was hungry for work. A few things still to work on. Farrell's pass for Earl's try was too loose. Delande and Carberry had lovely passes, but Farrell was poor. Those things will be punished against better teams. Luckily, Earls was able to scoop it up. Andy Hart actually was at the game. He said he disagreed that Farrell had a good game and if there was any complaints about the Earls try, um, it was that Farrell didn't back himself to score. Um, it was, it so, was the, the pass was a little bit scrappy at the end, but like, you know, Keith Earls caught the ball um, and normally Chris Farrell's passing is superb. His hands are yeah. really good. And I, 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 I disagree that he, had, he wasn't good. I thought he's been really good the last few weeks. I think away I think, in Exeter, I think the first thing, away, yeah, away, the Exeter, away in Exeter, yeah, he, he got struggled. caught a few times in the outside yeah. channel. He bit down defensively, and well, you uh, learn from that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I thought he's, yeah. I think he's been really good. For I think he's brilliant. Right, let's get on to the match. Let's get on to the match ourselves. So, um, what did you pick out that kind of impressed you with the performance? Or was there any individual performances that that you were pleased about? 
Yeah, so I thought the back row were excellent, but I'll just say that to you and your expertise. No, you go ahead, go ahead. Uh, no, 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 let's, I thought they were excellent. Ale- Alex, Alex Kendellan was outstanding. He was player of the match, 14 carries, eight tackles. Jack O'Donoghue, again, continu- continuing his form, um, absolutely brilliant, 10 carries, 12 tackles. They're the numbers you need as, a, as, as back rowers. And I always said it from my own time, um, whoever played, whether it was Axel, Dennis Leamy, Wally, Jim Williams, um, James Collin, any of the guys, you, you want 10, 12 carries, 15, 16, 17, 20 sometimes, the standard number um, that he always got. John Hodnett didn't carry the ball much, but again, he 12 tackles, was incredibly busy. So I just thought the three of them... Are For working. me, it's the balance. There's a balance there. Now, are they under... Would you be concerned going in against Toulouse that they're coming up against top-class international back rowers who have a lot of power, or even the Leinster back row? Yes, because... But the level they're at, I just think that the cohesion they bring together, they've been superb, those three, with Gavin Coombs out, Ty Byrne out, Peter O'Mahony was out this weekend. I think Peter O'Mahony, obviously, if he's available, yeah. comes back this week, and you know his performance against Exeter was excellent. So... Um, Always said it's not just because it was a back row, back rows with or without the ball can have a major influence in the game. So I thought they were outstanding. What did you make of Joey Carberry? I think there's one or two tweets there. Yeah, I thought he was his form. I thought he was really, really good. Big, the, the big thing for me um, last weekend his was his body language uh, looks different, doesn't it, mate? Yeah, it just looks like he's confident now. He's carrying himself really well. But for me, it's the it's it's their attack, I and mean, it's against Ulster they had front and back door options in almost every phase of play, and that makes it really difficult to be able to defend. Because to be fair to Ulster, but Stuart McCluskey and James Hume are actually really good defenders. But at times they were turned inside out because the lines are running, and if that's the case, because Delande or Chris Farrell are running so hard. You know, you have to sit down and you have to be able to, to move him. And then you, you go right to the line and you make a, um, a flash pass out the back. It, it's really difficult to be able to push it back out to that space um, as a defender. So I just thought that was really, really good. I thought both Earls and Shane Daly looked super hungry for work. They were off their wings the whole time. Are they identifying space better in the last period of time? Yeah, I, it's yeah, hundred percent. I also think the fact that you know I'm such a nerd for this, but it's in relation to the carry and the breakdown. You know, I thought the breakdown work was exceptional on both sides of the ball. They didn't really park over the ball at all. They just cleared any threat from Munster that was coming, and that allowed Casey and that tempo that he brings to be able to just move the ball as quickly as he could. When you can do that and you're getting over the game line in those tight carries, it makes it really difficult for defence to be a on side, but also to be able to fold around the corner. And I think, um. This weekend against Ulster, Munster were really, really good at that. And when you have time and space on the ball, like Joey Carberry did, um, because of the inside carry breakdown and Casey's pass, then you know you can get the ball to that space. I think previously the issue was that the ball carrier when in those tight spaces wasn't getting over the gain line, the ruck was slow, and then the tempo of the pass, by the time Joey Carberry gets the ball... He's almost facing a full defence because defence has had time to get around and fold. So it's almost like, um, I don't know, how, what, what's the, the word? You know, like one of those wheels where it's just like, oh, it cogs in a wheel. So everything has to be working in order for you to be able to exploit space. Do you think they stopped playing a little bit after half time? They were 15-3 up. Um, Keith Earls gets a, the, the Keith Earls try was as good a try I've seen from Munster in, in years, really. Um, I know we had the tweeter there. What was his name again? Um, I can't remember any of it, but 
saying that the, the Chris Farrell pass was sloppy at the end. But oh, yeah. it was a wonderful try. And I think it was indicative of maybe the way they feel at the moment, the way they're backing themselves. And let's not get carried away here and say they're a finished article, but they're, they've been better to watch. And they, 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 there's a sense about their body language that they're, they're not panicking as much. Their yeah. decision-making is a little bit better. Um, they're identifying space and they're taking some opportunities when they're, when, when they're presenting themselves. And we've criticized them about that. Um, their fitness looks good. They look like really sharp and energetic and everything they're trying to do. Defensively, they've been pretty rock solid. Now, I know they were under the pump a little bit in the second half, and I thought that maybe they retreated a little bit, kicked the ball a little bit too much. They had 29 kicks in the game. So I think that's... Would you, would you not think, though, that that's also indicative of Ulster coming out after half time and, and trying to, you know, throw a few passes? A little me, bit, but... but I, where I you... thought James Hume was brilliant. His footwork is incredible. Yeah, he's But I just thought player. Munster's defence was so, so good, like, and that gave him that platform. And, you know, teams are going to have purple patches where they can, you know, they're going to be on top and you don't get the momentum that you want. Previously, Munster would have got sucked into that battle for me you know, in the last, you know, probably from the start of the season to now. Whereas I think they turned to Gorner and their ability to be able to work themselves out of situations and stop that kind of purple patch from opposition just, teams. Just work the scoreboard. I yeah. think they're, they're not chasing the game. So when you're not chasing the game, you're for anyone. Um, yeah. It's then about your psychology, about how you manage it. Do you keep going for it? Do you take risks? You don't have to. And I think that's what they've been better, a little bit of game management. Um, and, let, you know, we're saying Ulster were vulnerable, but Munster still hadn't won in, in six years in, in Belfast. Yeah, I can um, believe that when you had tweeted that it was 2016. All, yeah, it was the Rory Scannell drop goal um, yeah. to win uh, uh, right at the end of the game back then when Rassi Erasmus was in charge. And, uh, you know, here's a side that probably should have beaten Toulouse the week before. They made some mistakes and errors who stars at an international side. So it's a good Ulster side who've been very consistent throughout the year. And I think Dan McFarlane has done a great job. I think what impressed me is Munster went there and got, it sounds very simplistic, they got the job done in a game that maybe a couple of months ago, they wouldn't have. They would have, you know, went up there and probably had a sloppy performance. But, you know, they had a very, very solid performance without setting the world alight. Um, so I think what, what you know, I heard Johan Van Graan in his post-match interviews talking about, and some of the press he's done since, about a backup performance. And I think that is key. Um, what they need now going forward into Cardiff this week is, is maybe there was some change we'll talk about it in a minute, is to back it up again, because it, it, it breeds confidence within the whole group. Uh, you mentioned Carver, he was outstanding. A- Alex Kendellan, as I said, what a player. Um, what a fine. We know we know his talent. We spoke about him earlier a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the Andy Farrell piece. Are you watching Andy Farrell? He's one of the players. And I think he's a fella. If Munster finished strong, will New Zealand be a bit soon for him? Possibly. Um, Jack O'Donoghue could be on the plane to New Zealand, maybe. Certainly putting his hand I, up. I would, de- I would be incredibly disappointed if Jack O'Donoghue was on the plane. Yeah, it team. depends how many they bring. Um you know, obviously there's an awful lot of depth there and quality there, but I think he definitely needs to be in the conversation. Um, given the two Maori matches, Andy Farrell will bring a bigger squad. Damien Dialende has shown in the last few weeks that he's world-class. 
um, yeah. and has been. Um, what a player he is, and and you know Chris Farrell has been brilliant. So, um, think about Damien Delendi, right? For me, sorry, no. Do you ever watch him running? It looks like he does. He's not moving very quickly, and yet he's striding, uh, gliding past people. Um, his lines of running are exceptional. It's his timing of Joey Carberry. I think the fact that they've now had like a group of games together where they've both been fit and both been playing, they're actually starting to feed off each other really, really well. Um, uh, so it's 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 like two brilliant rugby brains being on the same level, and yeah. that's a really difficult thing to defend. Yeah, he's a superb player. Uh, Dermot Barnes, 17 tackles from him. I love seeing those sort of numbers and that kind of work rate. And Stephen Archer getting the try. Um, I think, you know, it was brilliant to see him get that try. So um, we can't get away from the fact that three, four weeks ago, Leinster were utterly dominant down at Thomas Park. But the last, and they lost in Exeter as well, the passion they showed there, which I think has to be a given when you put in a Munster shirt. Um, there's been lots of positives in the last few weeks. But 100%. Let's calm it down. Um, the next couple of weeks are going to be, you know, we would expect with respect to Cardiff this Friday night, and we move on to that now that, you know, Munster needs to be kind of aiming for a bonus point win. Now, Dai Young's side lost against the Ospreys yesterday, 22 6. So they'll certainly come to, to it's on in, uh, in Munster Park yeah. on Friday night. But when we spoke about the table last week, Nate, Munster are now currently sitting third on 51 points. Um, the Stormers are second on 52. Leinster first on 61. The Sharks are 51 and fourth. Ulster 51 and fifth. So it's incredibly tight. Glasgow 50 on 50 points and sixth. Edinburgh 49 points and seventh. And the Bulls on 48 points and eighth. Very tight. Munster could have easily been down eight. Um, I think they need to get to 56 points and I still don't I think that will give them a home quarter final yeah. um, let's speculate and see what's going to happen with, with Leinster in a few weeks when Munster play in between a semi-final and a final and we expect poss- probably Leinster to be involved in a final um, that's probably fair to say isn't it given how good they are and where they're at they're, yeah. one, they're one of the favourites um, so it depends in a few weeks what happens in that game. If one sort of win the two games remaining, I think they could be certainly um, looking at a home quarter, home semi situation. But I think at this stage, it, it's it's probably um, there for, for them to try and get that home quarter final. Sure. Like to have three South African teams in the mix, I think is great. Um, the Stormers are, are second, the Sharks fourth and the Bulls eighth. Um, now, it's not so good for the Welsh teams or the Italian teams. Um, Glasgow and Edinburgh are in that group as well. Um, but, you know, Welsh rugby, I suppose, is, is, is struggling at the moment, particularly the club sides. But anyway, back to Munster. They play Cardiff on Friday night. I'll, I'll ask you the same question I ask every, well, most weeks. Um, how close, how many of these players that have started um, last weekend in Belfast should start this week? Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a mixed bag in terms of that it won't be as consistent as it's been for the last few weeks, I'd imagine. They've had three or four weeks now, really, you know, full full goo, as we say, you know, really on form and against really big teams and, and having to produce really big performances. I think you look at giving your wider squad some game time this weekend, that sets you up then with a week's break almost from a playing point of view for those main players 
for the Toulouse and um, uh, Leinster games. So that's kind of probably what what I'd imagine would happen. Um, so like I think there'd definitely be changes across the board. You'll see the likes of probably Thomas O'Hearn starting. Maybe Kandelin will continue to, to start too. Because I think that if Peter Manley comes back and we're still missing Tyg Byrne and we're still missing um, a couple more, I'd, I'd imagine it'd be Jackie Dunne who would eat like that extra game um, at home in Thoman Park. So um, I think, you know, Rory Scanlon might get game time. You've got to try and, you know, keep players fresh, I suppose. And they've been going but, now but for I would pro- Yeah, I'd probably argue, though, they're having a lot of rugby played this season. Uh, a lot of these players, and they'll have an eight-day turnaround for Toulouse. And you've got to show Cardiff um, who have struggled, let's be honest, in the Yeah, OCD. do you know what I was just doing there now when you were chatting? I was looking they, at the Cardiff squad they've from last nine weekend. Games and they've lost it surprises nine games. me. Yeah, they've got really good players, you know, in terms of Josh Navidi, Thomas Williams, Reese Priestland, Alan Amos, um, we're talking about Jared Evans, Matthew Morgan. These are all really experienced players that have been captain internationally and, um, you know, going to get hammered at home I, to that's upgrade. What, just, that, that's why I think yeah. it's dangerous that. that there's too many changes. I think whatever changes are made, and I do agree that there will be some and probably needs to be. Um, I'm talking about four or five. I'm not talking about... Yeah, yeah. I think and I, I'd, be, I'd be putting them on the bench and to try and get some period of 15 or 20 minutes or 30 minutes of as close to the team that's going to play Toulouse next week. I think you've eight days to turn it around and play yeah. 40, 50 minutes um, <laughs> for players and... Um, because I think they can build on this. And I would argue that they need to keep the same <clears throat> as many players out there playing because you get battle-hardened from week after week. Games, um, 100%. Where do they need to improve, Neve, in the next few weeks? So we've spoken about the positives, the improvements around. The breakdown has been one of the big positives. Um, the accuracy has been better. The game management. Um, my concern would be a little bit about maybe set piece scrum I was just going to say and, and yeah. maybe the mall I'm not saying they're going bad but if you were to win big games in, in cup situations in the next couple of weeks you've got to use your mall you've got to have a good dominant scrum that's really rock solid um, can they make those improvements uh, in those areas like it's we're still unsure whether Coombs will come back whether Ty Byrne will be it looks like Gavin Coombs could be could be out for the rest of the season, but Kilcoyne, Tyburn, they'd be really vital if they could get them back into the group as well, wouldn't they? Yeah, hugely. Because I think when you go into against the likes of the Toulouse and Leinster, you're you're dealing with such power. It, it's very difficult um, to kind of be able to sustain that power if you can't match it. And unless you're technically proficient in what you're doing, then you know big teams like that are going to be able to to exploit any weaknesses. And I definitely do think you're right. That's a piece. Um, it needs, it, it just needs to be, it almost needs to be like a banker ball, you know, kind of way. So the minute that you know you've a scrum or a line, you know, you're, you know what I mean? That you're going to be in a, a, a position to to be able to have a launch play off it. And I think sometimes when you go up against, and it's not just Munster, you, look, you looked at Leinster last year against La Rochelle and, and that it's, it's stability. And we speak a lot about rugby, it's so cliche, but, you know, forwards win you the games and the backs decide by how much. It's it's literally a case of forwards can't get parity in terms of set piece or they can't get over the gain line in terms of their carries. Well, then you're going to find it really, really difficult. I think that's been a really big thing for Munster over the last few weeks, that they've got parity or better at set piece. They've got, you know, 
over the gain line carries in relation to their forwards makes life way easier in terms of everything else off that. And that's probably why the attack has looked so much better over the last few weeks. Okay, and obviously um, backs win you matches, but sometimes backs cost you matches as I well. said backs forwards win you matches and backs decide For, Forwards win you matches and backs decide. Shane Daly came in from the side the other night. I wanted to jump through the television, even though on a real day, Shane Daly has been brilliant the last few weeks and credit him. He just jumped the yeah. gun a little bit, but I know how that feels because I used I used to do that. I a was just going to well. say, Park so, like. so Shane, if you're if you're if you're listening to me criticizing your yellow card near the end of the game, I'm probably a, no one to be a, no one to criticize you. But it's easy to criticize <laughs> on the bench. So, um, okay. So, do you think we'll beat Cardiff with a yeah, bonus point this week? Yeah, I do. I think they have. What to if Dai Young is watching this now and uh, he's no? He's I think Munster will. I think you know. Being back in Cork, there's a huge Cork following there. They'll only be delighted to get out and um, to, to get a game uh, this close to the end of the season. So, um, yeah, but I, just, I do think and it'd be great to see them continue that momentum over the last few weeks. OK, so we're looking for improvements around the set piece and try and build on that better. And obviously, we can still add more to attack and, and, and all the other facets, but that's the area we want to see more improvements and maybe see their mall rumbling a little bit on Friday night in Cork. Uh, hopefully, all the Cork there'll be full house there on Friday night for that game okay right before we wrap up Neve, um, you know we always try and find some little bit of gossip or news we're, we're kind of starved of that in the last few weeks but since we did the pod last week and it was I think most all Monster fans know this um, there's a new signing coming next year Anton Frisch um, he's a French born uh, rugby player who's coming from Bristol he's 25 his grandmother is Irish, and whoever has found him, um, maybe it's just David Nusifora, um, he's Irish qualified. And I'm sure it's, and I know it's, it, um, yeah, if you were always looking at Irish qualified players throughout the world. But this guy is a little bit unknown, and I have to be honest, I hadn't heard of him before I heard the announcement. And I saw it flashing up on Twitter, and I was like, who is this guy? Um, I went and watched some of his footage, and it's incredibly impressive. Um, he's 25, um, played in Federal 1, uh, was in the Stade Francais Academy a few years ago, then went to Tarbes, Massey, Rouen, and they're all in Federal 1, which is lower level France. It's probably second. Yeah, it's like Prodi Deux, it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, then he, Bristol signed him. So Bristol obviously saw something in him, um, and now he's after signing for Munster. He's six foot three and 16 stone. And if you look at some of his footage, some of the, the, the breaks... Um, I know some of the French stuff was against Leicester opposition and he's probably easier, but I think there's some very impressive moments for, for Bristol as well. And looks like a really, really um, shrewd signing. Um, I think he'd be, he, he looks like, look, obviously he's got to come and play at this level and play with Munster. And, uh, but I think the pros, prospect of him coming to Munster is, is very, very positive. Um, he's very, very quick, really strong fend. Similarities to Chris Farrell, but he's really quick, this player. So um, what was your take on, on the signing? And obviously it adds more depth to that centre combination with, with Malachi Fekatoa coming next year as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, was, I, had, I had watched him a couple of times in the Premiership over the last while and because he doesn't sound Irish or you don't even associate him with having an Irish connection, you know, I just thought, God, he's a real good player. Like who stays in the placement centre for uh, Harlequins? You know, these big guys that are rangy, ridiculously good in defence. Um, as you say, brilliant step and fend. 
Um, and then when I did something similar to you, when it came out on Twitter, I went and looked at highlights reel. I was like, whoa, it looks like it's a brilliant bit of business by Munster slash IRFU. I'm not sure, but um, I just think that you're dead right. I think with Delande leaving, obviously Fekatawa coming in, he's had his injury problems. Chris Farrell's there, Rory Scannell. There's not really a huge amount of strength and depth out of you know at a senior level from those three. So um, to get him in is is brilliant. And look, I I hope he you see his tweet. He looks really, really like he's he looks like he's really eager to get the monster as well, which I'm sure the fans will absolutely love um, if that if that's the case. So yeah, look, let's see how it goes. I just think it's, it it looks like a you know a brilliant bit of business to be fair. He, he might even know me, Nate. <laughs> he said he grew up watching Monster, so that makes that I'm fairly old and he's pretty young. But anyway, look, we'll wait and see. But um, it's more depth in that area, and I think yeah. it's it's uh, it's an exciting prospect. I think from what what I can see. Um, just before we go, finally, um, I think it's uh, appropriate for me to 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 mention a bit of tragic news that we had at the weekend with Pedri Wannenberg uh, dying in a car accident in in America over the weekend, um, the former Ulster player, I think I'd just like to offer our condolences to his family and obviously every all his family and friends in South Africa and obviously people who were very friendly with him in Ulster as well. Um, I played against him, met him a few times, seemed like a lovely a lovely fella. Um, he was coaching in, in Austin and Texas and uh, was involved in a in a terrible accident at the weekend, a car crash, um, not, not through his own fault or his family's fault. His family were in the car with him. So I'd like to offer my sincere condolences. I think the rugby world is a very small world and the sporting world is. And uh, I know we have some Ulster listeners in, in the pod as well. So I'd like to offer our condolences on behalf of, behalf of ourselves to, to, yeah. to Pedri uh, Wannenberg and all his family. So uh, that's it. That's episode of 29 of the Red 78. Make sure you get your podcast straight to your phone every week. Just uh, press the subscribe button um, and you can tweet us, as I've said, on, at Rugby Channel. If you want to um, get involved or leave a comment on YouTube, please do. Um, that's it for this week. Hopefully we get another positive win that we can say there's three good wins from Munster and Eve. Um, good luck at the weekend to you as well. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Quinny. See you then. The Monster Rugby Podcast. Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better.